Hey everybody, this is Tom Singer. It is Thanksgiving week, and I hope that you have lots of things to be thankful for. We really appreciate everyone who tunes in and listens to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. So this week, instead of two episodes, we're going to release seven episodes. That's one show every day for all of Thanksgiving week. I hope you enjoy. Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. We're going to have some fun today. We're talking to an author of over 50 sports books. Now think about that. I've written 10 books and people come up to me and say, wow, you've written 10 books. That's that's huge. How did you do 10? And I think, I don't know. I, I did it. But 50 is just crazy. So we're going to talk with Ross Bernstein about sort of how he launched into his own world of writing books. And then he became a speaker and he teaches and trains all over the country. He's been on CNN. He's been on Fox News, CBS this morning. He's really living an exciting life. Life, both being able to speak and train, but also being in the world of sports. So we should have some fun today. And like all of our episodes, what we want to do is just have a casual chat, like we're sitting around the kitchen table or maybe in a bar having a beer and learning a little bit about the cool things that entrepreneurs are doing. Hey, Ross, welcome to the show. Tom, so great to be with you. How are you, my friend? I'm doing great. I really appreciate you jumping in and doing this. You know, I've been I've been working on this podcast now for, I don't know, probably about 10 weeks. And it's really, really cool because I've had the opportunity to talk with some people I've never met before, but also people like you who I know through business. I know you through the National Speakers Association, and we've run into each other where we've both been sort of speakers at the same conference. But this gives me sort of a whole different flavor of learning kind of how people got started, what they do, and, and what's exciting. So thanks for joining me. Well, it's awesome. And congrats on the success of the podcast. I've listened to a few of them. They're great. And I know you were up to number two in careers uh, on iTunes, which is fantastic. And this is just another uh, tool in your toolbox for all the awesome things that you do. So I'm very honored to be with you. Yeah, it's been it's been kind of fun out of the gate. We've had uh, some really high success in the rankings. This show that we're recording now will come out in about three weeks. I don't know where we'll be at that time. But over the weekend, we were number two for most of the weekend in the careers section and, and number five or six in business overall. And that just kind of blows me away so early out of the gate because that's my goal for this wasn't to be like a high ranked show. My goal was to get really good information and have really good conversations. So, Ross, tell me about your business and sort of what you did before you became this author of 50 books. <laughs> well, I've... Uh like you, I'm a, I'm a speaker. I speak at about 100 conferences a year globally. And um, I've really become much more uh, – I used to be author slash speaker. Now I'm definitely speaker slash author. I was grinding out books pretty regularly. I was – for about the past 20 years, I've been a working member of the media here in Minneapolis where I live with the Minnesota Twins, the Vikings, the Timberwolves, the, the Wild. So I've – had a lot of misery over the past two decades, as you can imagine. My teams <laughs> kind of stink, but uh, I've been really, really passionate about sports and uh, cranked out a lot of books. And I have access to 
interview all these amazing athletes and coaches by, you know, having press passes and being in the locker room and on the field and in the press box. So that's been my passion. And then I, I realized along the way that, you know, a lot of these life lessons that I've learned are really applicable when it comes to customer service and leadership and, and training. So um, I talk a lot about the DNA of champions and, and about the fine line between cheating and gamesmanship and sports. So, you know, like you, I kind of found a, a, a unique niche in, um, as a speaker and, you know, the books sort of reinforce a lot of those things and they're, they're a lot of fun, but let's be clear, let's be clear. I'm not winning any Pulitzer prizes. Most of my books wind up in bathrooms. So that, that's sort of for starters. Well, but still, I mean, it's still a labor of love to write a book of any size. And so writing 50 of them is great, but you, you kind of hit on something that so many of the people who I talk to both in life and on this show say, and that is, you said you have a real passion for sports and that led you to writing all these sports books and, and all this. And that's really sort of what it takes, I think, to get people started is you really got to love what you're doing if you're going to go and work for yourself. Is that right? Yeah. And I've, you know, I've always been a solopreneur. I've, um, I've kind of done it my own way since day one. So I've really never had a team of people. And it's true. If you're not passionate about what you do, then you really need to think about what you do. Um, you know, the old, the old cliche rings true. If you're really passionate about it, the money will follow it. You know, it just comes down to how bad you'll want it. So yeah, it, it's, it's, you know, I've kind of embraced the lifestyle. I mean, the, the last time you and I saw each other, we were both at a really cool conference in, in, in Boca Raton in Miami, which was cool. I got to bring my wife to that one. And then I saw you in San Diego. So we get to, you know, as speakers, we get to go to some really cool places and I don't focus on the long TSA lines. I, I focus on the good stuff. I think my, my kid went to 10 countries with me last year. So, um, I've, you know, as I say, there's a, there's a chance she might flunk the seventh grade, but, but I'm going to see the world through her eyes. So that's kind of my, uh, kind of my goal is to really embrace this whole lifestyle and, and, uh, and just have fun. Well, we have a we have a saying with our kids, and that is, we're not going to let school get in the way of their education. So, I think bringing them <laughs> along, if you can swing it to take them to seven countries or ten countries, I think that's yeah. a great that's a great seventh grade. Yeah, I I totally agree. You just, I mean, we we're you know we usually see each other in airports as we're passing each other. So you got to kind of focus on the good stuff, and and uh, that's you know that's the case for any any entrepreneur. They there's there's a, it's a grind and you, you deal with a lot of rejection and you're on a lot of sales calls and, and sort of the, you know, the, the fun stuff is when, you know, you, you and I get on the platform or when a, a new book comes out and you get to do a cool interview with a guy like you or, or something. So you just have to, just have to kind of keep focusing on those, on the good things, I think. Well, and I think that the good things are, are, are great and it's what, you know, keeps us excited and why we do these types of businesses that, that we all do, whether we're a speaker, an author, or whether we own a plumbing company or, you know, an airline. If, if we're excited about what we're doing, we're going to go forward and keep pushing it and growing. But what are some of the downsides? I mean, what are some of the parts where you think, you know, I could have become an accountant? <laughs> you know, I've never looked back. I, um, I really, I love it. I, you know, it's, I know the cliche is kind of corny, find a job you love and never work it in your life. I don't love every part of it, but I really do love it. And, um, I love booking gigs that that's super exciting for me. I love going to a conference and then, you know, it leads to more conferences. And as you know, there's, you know, there's not that many people that are full-time professional speakers. So if you're not getting a couple gigs from every gig that you do, you're not going to survive in this business. Anyone can get a gig. Um, but to sustain it and make it a, a model it, that that works and and generates revenue is is exciting. So, um, you know, I, I continually 
you know, focus on doing a great job when I'm speaking. And, and hopefully that just leads to more opportunities. And I get asked a lot, like, how do you get into the speaking world? And really there's no, I mean, obviously you have to have a platform and a message, but you know, the, the, the number one thing and this, and you know, this is, you know, don't suck. If you suck, you're not going to make it. And, and, uh, that's, that's what sort of separates the, the full-time speakers from the sort of the, you know, the 15 minute guys who kind of monetize their, their newfound fame or whatever it is. So, um, you have to, you have to embrace it. I mean, it's just, a, it's a different world. It's not for everyone, but you know, luckily there's weirdos like you and I who, who are pretty good at it and like it. And, and, uh, People hire us to come uh, to come make their conferences better. Well, and and while I try to talk about entrepreneurship in general and not make every episode just about the speaking industry, you bring up a very interesting point, and that is that there's a lot of people out there who call themselves speakers, but not a lot of them who speak fifty or a hundred times a year. And when I talk to people all the time, someone will say, oh, I'm a speaker too. And I'll start talking to them and I'll say, well, where did you speak last? And they'll say, well, eight months ago, I spoke at this conference in my industry. And it's like, well, I don't know if that makes you a speaker or someone who speaks. And I don't think that necessarily that person, you know, is good, bad or indifferent. I mean, sometimes there are great speakers who do it part time, <laughs> but to really be, to call yourself a speaker, you've got to be on stage quite a bit, don't you think? Yeah, I, I do. There's a difference between speakers and professional speakers and industry speakers and inspirational speakers. There's a whole gamut. But, um, you know, in, in in line with what you're talking about, about being an entrepreneur, I think, you know, just that part of it, whatever you do, to be able to communicate what you do and to effectively um, – be able to present, whether it's on the phone or in a, in a, in a presentation, obviously speaking is a huge part of it. And, and, uh, you know, I, I'll tell you some of my favorite gigs is, you know, every year I, I have a handful of, of chambers of commerces, you know, and those are, those are straight entrepreneur 101, you know, small business owners. And I love those groups because we got skin in the game together. And, you know, it's, it's fun to share best practices about how we're going to grow our businesses. And, you know, they don't have huge budgets. And, you know, I, I, I've, I've, for my business, I've never wanted a staff. I've never wanted a, a team. I just, I like doing my own thing. And, um, probably to my own detriment, I, people, whenever I'm in a mastermind group, I, you know, usually the feedback I get is, dude, you're crazy. You need to hire some people to do some of these things because I literally, write my books. I edit them. I research them. I do the design, the layout. I publish them, put them into bookstores. I send out letters, make labels, lick the stamps, go to the post office. I book all my own speeches, all my own travel. My dog helps me, but it's, it's not that much, believe me. But, um, I don't know. I just, I, I have kind of a saying, I, I might not make millions, but there's, but there's a good chance I'm going to make a million. And that's really where, what I'm after. And I want to do it my own, on my own terms. And if I want to go golfing or play hockey, then that's what I'm going to do that day. If I want to travel or take a gig here, I'll just do it. I just, I just don't want to have a team of people to worry about. And that's just kind of my model. And a lot of my messages is that you got to find your model. And it's very seductive and tempting in our, our world as speakers or just entrepreneurs in their world, whether they sell insurance or have a small franchise or whatever, is to get sucked into what everyone else is doing. And I think you just got to figure out what works for you and just do it. And continue to do the stuff you're good at and the stuff that you suck at, stop doing it. That's that's kind of the cardinal rule and that's not rocket science. 
Well, Ross, that is actually fantastic advice. And it's funny because every time I run into you, I'm reminded you and I are actually a lot alike because I also am a total solo opener. I don't have a virtual assistant. I don't have employees. I don't hire temps. You know, if I'm going to send out a postcard mailing, uh, you know, I sit there while my wife and I are watching TV and I put the labels and the stamps on or I get my children involved and, and make it a game who can do the most, you know, stamps in the next <laughs> hour. And, you know, it's kind of one of those things, though, like you talk about like falling seductively into whatever everybody you go to the conference and everybody's saying, oh, you must do it this way. Virtual assistants have been a big thing that's been talked about in our world and a lot of the entrepreneurial solopreneur world. And I've actually tried to look for someone to do something, but it's like, what, what are they going to do for me? I, there's so many things I have to know, like booking my own travel. I have to know what my options are because if there's a snowstorm, that information has to be in my head so that I can say, all right, there was a flight on Delta. I can grab that flight instead of the flight on American or Southwest. If I don't know what the options are, then I'm standing in a snowstorm going, "Uh oh, I may not make it to my destination. So I, I like to have my hands in all the pots. And, you know, again, sometimes people go, well, what happens, Tom, if, if you get famous and all of a sudden all this business starts coming in? Well, the famous people who speak like the Bill Clintons and the Condoleezza Rices and, and those type of people, it's a different business than where you and I live. And so when people ask me what happens if, you know, you suddenly flip over to the side of celebrity, I'm like, well, then I'll have to change my business plan. But for now, my business plan is just continue to go out and speak. I've got I've got kind of a traditional speaker's model where my business is made when from me speaking. And do I have other products? Sure. But the focus of my business and what I love to do is being on stage. So I totally get with what you're talking about. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a different, you know, it's a different paradigm. I have one kid, so we're able to travel and make it work. Whereas a lot of people have multiple kids. It's, it's tougher. Um, my wife recently quit. She she worked as a dietitian and so we could get benefits and part-time, but just said, you know what, let's just buy insurance and come help, help me try and grow our family business together. And that's really how we look at it. So she helps with research and kind of the chief relationship officer. I've, I've kind of, uh, we were, we're new at it, but you know, that it takes, you know, I grew up in a family chain of, uh, fourth generation furniture stores in Southern Minnesota. So I, great grandpa, grandpa, my dad, my brothers, that's just kind of how I look at it. It's like growing up in a farm, you just jump in and do stuff. And that's really, I don't need people. I don't want people. It just, it just kind of makes everything more convoluted and crazy. So, you know, you, you just kind of do what you got to do. And that's really what being an entrepreneur is, is, is all about. It's just being scrappy and just, you know, figuring out how to do it and get it done and, and be awesome at what you do, be easy to work with, be, be trustworthy, be likable. And people want to do business with you. There's really no rocket science to it. It's just very simple things. And that's a lot of the stuff I teach are soft skills about, you know, these are things that amazing athletes do on and off the field. And if you emulate those things, you're going to have success. It's very simple stuff. So you bring up an interesting thing about having your family involved. You have one child and, and, and your wife now works with you. So how do you sort of make make all that work between, you know, being the speaker and the writer and the chief bottle washer, along with having your <laughs> wife involved in the company and, and taking your daughter with you? How do you make it all work? We just make it work like you. We just make it work. It's just, you know, we just have fun. It's, you know, I, I, you know, my wife, I had a gig in Phoenix a couple days ago. So my wife and I went to Phoenix. Our daughter stayed with grandma and grandpa. We've got trips coming up to Puerto Rico and some other overseas trips and we're just all going to go and she's going to miss school. And we met with her teachers and they said, yep, you can, you know, take a picture of the homework and text it back to us, or you can do a FaceTime and join class. So we're just kind of embracing technology and, 
and making it work. And, and, uh, you know, there's no rules. I mean, it, it's, you know, what we do, Tom is crazy. People pay us to go talk. It's really criminal. If, if anyone, if anyone, you know, understood what we actually do, you know, it, it, it's, we're, we're, we're very blessed <laughs> to be able to do what we do and we get to write books and, and people clap when we go to work. I mean, I wish everyone, you know, got to feel how great it is when you do your job and people clap. It's, it's pretty of, cool. Thousands of people suddenly stand up and start <laughs> applauding because you, you know, you, you've arranged the furniture correctly correctly or something. Yes, exactly. Yay, that was fantastic. <laughs> it's very odd, but, um, you know, it's just, it's, it's, um, it's, it's fun. And, and, uh, I, I really wouldn't have it any other way. And, and, um, it's just, uh, it's, it's just an odd existence, but I love it and you love it. And there's not that many of us that, that do what we do. It's, it's funny, you know, we're, we, we speak at conferences all the time and, and you and I have a conference called the National Speakers Association Annual Conference. And it's a, it's a full-fledged freak show. You, you, you just look at people and go, hmm, you've got all your limbs must be a cancer survivor, maybe the sole survivor of a plane crash. Uh, you know, everyone has some crazy story. Did you found a dot com? Did you do something? And and you just have to find your niche and and kind of own it and and be amazing at it, or or you won't last. So it's uh it's no different than when you when you and I work with franchise groups or or independent insurance agents or real estate agents or whomever whatever entrepreneurs are. You just have to kind of find your niche and network with really cool people and try and help each other. And really, that's been the biggest problem probably secret of my success is really helping my competitors. I probably get a third of my business from my direct competitors. You know, guys like you, guy, I'm always trying to share. I mean, when I go keynote a conference, I know there to be, you know, a few truths. Number one, they're going to have a conference next year. Number two, I'm not going to be the keynote speaker. And number three, I really hope it's one of my buddies. So I always am trying to recommend them and they do the same for me. And it's just the simple laws of karma. If you're just a really good guy and you help people, they're going to help you. The ones who don't, then you're not going to help them. And I really try and grow my business through that very simple mantra. So I agree with you. I mean, I've gotten very involved with our trade association, the National Speakers Association. And every now and then I'll meet a speaker who's out there, you know, fighting the good fight, working, and I'll ask them if they're involved. And I remember one woman said to me, why would I be involved with that organization? I only go where potential clients are. And I thought, yuck, that's all you do. You only go to conferences where everybody there you can sell to. It's like everyone else in the audience has a pork chop hanging around their neck and she's a hungry wolf and she goes to, to devour them. And I, I asked her about like learning best practices and getting referrals from other speakers. And she was like, no, they're my competition. Every time you speak, you've taken food off my table. And I'm like, I just don't want to live in a world where the pie is that small. Yeah, I, I totally agree. That's that's not my model at all. And I'm I'm actually quite repulsed when other speakers or anyone gets in front of a group and tries to sell you something. Um, you know, my books, I call them currency. And um, whenever I speak, I, I always give them to people in the crowd and I try and meet people at the, the dinner and the lunch and, and to, to, to customize our programs as you and I know how, wh what we do. And, and I'll, I'll just throw them in the crowd. I'm never selling anything. I don't like when speakers get up and, and they have an agenda and they want you to buy their, their DVD package or their coaching services or their online university or their books or their eBooks or audio books. I just, you know what? I just find it really cheesy. So I never do it. And that's just what I do. I It's to, to each their own, but I think people see through it. So that's just not my model at all. My model is just, quite frankly, be really good on, on stage. And if that happens, 
other people will hire you. That's just, it's, it's a very, I mean, the best, the best advice I ever got at an NSA conference, our speaker conference was from this whale bureau who everyone wants to work with the proverbial hot chick that everybody wants. And I just was, you know, like everyone else was dying to just meet this woman and, and get on her, get on her radar, as we say. And she finally just said to me, and I was a newbie, I was fresh, you know, in the biz. She said, you know, Ross, just be awesome on the platform. And when you are, we'll hear about you and we'll be in touch. And it was brutal. It, it was just brutal, but it was the best advice I ever got. And it was, it's totally true. They'll, they'll hear about you. And when they do, they'll, they'll be in touch. It's, it's hard, but that's the truth. And Ross, I think that plays for every industry. I don't care yeah. if you're selling software or if you're a doctor or a dentist. I think if you, if you, if you go out there and live by that advice, just go out and be awesome then it, it'll work. Now, that doesn't mean you don't market and you don't make calls and you don't do all that stuff. But the first, the, the ticket into the game is go be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I've struggled with other speakers and, and friends and colleagues in the business re regarding social media. And, you know, I'm one of those speakers where I, I, I say that, you know, you don't have to do that stuff. You know, I, I, I don't, I'm not on Facebook. Um, I don't tweet. Um, I mean, I mean, I do rarely. I I think there's 400 people that that like me or follow me or tweet me or whatever the terminology is. I I just that's not my model. My model is to make relationships, to call people, to have you know much deeper relationships. I, I'm in the relationship business, and if you're an entrepreneur, you're in the relationship business. You don't you know you don't sell widgets. You're all about relationships, and that's really so. Do those things help? Sure, but they're also a gigantic time suck. And I don't have time for it. I, I, it's like I don't have games on my phone because I know I would use them. And that's why I don't do Facebook because everyone that commented on something I did, I'd have to re-comment. And I would spend half my life doing it and I know it wouldn't lead to new business. So I just choose not to do it. Again, to each their own. But the most powerful word you can learn as an entrepreneur is no. And you got to live by that. Say yes to the things that are going to be productive and make you happy, make you money, make your relationships better, make your family life better, and say no to everything else because it's a giant time suck. <laughs> That's a amen. Hey, Ross, what's the coolest thing you're doing right now? Oh, well, I'm talking to my buddy, Tom, the <laughs> Converse Catalyst. That's pretty cool. Um, you know, I'm working on a... Um, I'm working on my first business book. Um, after all these sports books, I'm, I'm, I'm finally doing the, the book that um, is a lot of the life lessons that I've learned. So it's been, uh, it's been an adventure and it's, it's, uh, I'm self-publishing it and it's hard because I don't have a hard deadline like a, when a publisher gives you a deadline. And it's funny, when you don't have a deadline, nothing gets done. So I've been working on this book now for like you know, over a year. And, um, but I keep justifying it by saying, Oh, thank God I didn't have the book done because I just had this really cool thing happen <laughs> or this horrible failure happen. Cause you know, in our world, the failures are what, what people really want to know about. Um, and I go, great. Now it'll be in the book. So at this stage, you know, the book should come out in the year, like 2056. I, I don't know, but, uh, that's probably the coolest thing I'm working on right now. Well, I'll still be around in 2056. I'll only yeah. be nine. I'll only be 90. I'll, I'll buy the first <laughs> copy. <laughs> done i'll sign it for you so if someone was like listening to this thinking gosh he, he's worked for himself for all these years he's just cr created his own path I, I you know i feel stuck in my world of of just a traditional corporate job i i want to be like ross what advice would you give him well i would say shut up and go do what you want to do there's really no um you know there's no secret you figured it out we all you know kind of had a different path to get to this where we are but you know, I'm at conferences all the time where I people come up afterwards and and they're gonna and they say, you know, you know what, I 
I hate my job and I want to quit. I, I actually, it's funny. I was actually speaking at my brother's company. He has a technology company. He's got about 50 people that work for him. And he asked me to come in as a favor to, to, to speak to his company. And I said, great, no problem, bro. And so I came in and did my spiel. And afterwards, my brother said, three people quit after you came I'm never bringing you back <laughs> and it was funny but I said you know what bro I said you don't want those people they're they're not committed they're just putting in the time they're looking for another job they're on social media while they're at work you, you know you need people that are all in that want to be there and that's their dream job and you know you're never going to be happy at something unless you're really you know you really love it so yeah I mean figure out a way I mean the, the, the playing field has so been leveled today when I wrote my first book I was a senior in college I was a walk on to the University of Minnesota Golden Gopher hockey team. I got cut. I be, I wound up becoming the team mascot, Goldie the Gopher, a giant smelly rodent. And I, I wrote a book about it as a senior in college. Wait, wait, called, wait, 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 wait. You wore one of the big furry suits and yes, skated around the ice guy. rink? Yes. That's classic. Yeah, that was my first gig. And I wrote a book about it called Gopher Hockey by the Hockey Gopher. And it became a cult bestseller. We did, I don't know, I think I did seven printings. But I, I literally leveraged my graduate school money. My two brothers used their graduate school money to go get Ivy League MBAs. And I told mom and dad I wanted to use my money to write and publish a book about the history of gopher hockey from Goldie Gopher's perspective. And it, I remember the words failure and disappointment and a lot of four-letter words. It didn't go well, but that was what I wanted to do. I love sports, and that was my ticket to the game, and I got in, and 50 books later, I've, I've somehow made it, and now I get to talk about it. So I'm, I truly do you know, have skin in the game with it, but you know, I, I had to leverage it. I had to, you know, a publisher wouldn't take me on. I was a 21-year-old kid, so I had to self-publish, figure out how to do it. But today, the playing field has been leveled. People say, oh, I want to write a book. I'm like, well, then shut up and write a book. They have eBooks. You can like create a Word document and go to Amazon, and you have a book. You're now an author. Congratulations. You and I are the same. Well, the back, playing back field is the Anyone can have a radio show. I mean, look, you're in, we can be in our mother's basement doing a radio show in our jammies. You can have a TV show. I mean, you can make a magazine. You, there's no excuses anymore. Shut up and go do what you want to do. It's just completely lame when I hear people say, oh, I can't do it. Yes, you can. Just well, and when you, go do it. When you wrote your book, self-publishing was kind of looked down upon. I mean, how many years ago was the Goldie the Gopher book? 1992 that book came out i mean that was back then self-publishing i mean people would look down yeah. their nose at it i wrote my first book 10 years ago so i mean that was 2005 and i can remember being at like a, a chamber of commerce deal in austin texas where i live and a group of people like maybe four or five of us in one of those little conversation clusters that you stand in at these networking events and one of the people in the group was my good friend and we were all talking about my book and i walked away and a lady in the conversation cluster, the little circle, as soon as I was out of earshot, said, well, you realize he owns part of New Year Publishing, so it's sort of self-published, which is really eh. And my friend who was in the group said, how many books have you written? To which she said, well, none. And he said, well, then why don't you not critique other people till you've done one? And of course, <laughs> that little conversation got back to me because anytime you badmouth anybody, someone in the group will go tell the person you're talking right. about. But the lesson I got out of that was that there were people who looked down on it and found reasons to undermine it. Nowadays, self-publishing, it's like, you know, you're, you're, you're cheered as you walk down the street for doing it yourself. So there's no reason not to do it now. 
Yeah, I mean, my my new book, I have, I, I'm not even putting my newest book in in bookstores. I mean, that model's dead. Um, and I've worked with, you know, I work with huge publishers. I work with, you know, some of the biggest publishers in the world for some of my books. But my new book, I'm never putting it in a bookstore. It will only be available at my website, at my Amazon page, and at my speeches. And hopefully, I'll sell them, you know, five hundred or a thousand at a time for the companies that hire me to speak. Um, you know, the, the the traditional model for books is dead, so I I don't choose to go that path anymore. I don't need to be in bookstores anymore. I've done thousands of TV interviews. I don't need to say, "Look, Mom, I'm on TV" to, by promoting a book. I'm I'm only interested in in you know helping my my clients you know, have, have a, a deeper dive, have more content. So that's, you know, you just, things, technology is changing. So that's just going to be my model and I'll self-publish it. And, and basically that just means you pony up the cash to print it yourself. And, and if it does well, great. If it doesn't, you've got Christmas presents for life. That's, that's how self-publishing <laughs> works. Hey, off, hey, off kind of our little plan here, you brought up the fact that you have two brothers who went and got Ivy league, you know, uh, Ivy league, uh, MBAs. Uh, how do they look at you being sort of this self self made guy? Well, it's we're very close. We all live in Minneapolis. We all moved home. I lived in Chicago and New York for a while. They were uh, over uh, out of state as well. But we grew up in a small town and we wanted to grow up together. So we live about a mile and a half from each other, which is really cool. And our dad lives right by us. So um, they they they're very supportive. They they love it um, that that I do what I do. But you know, it's interesting. My dad you know, as an entrepreneur, had these furniture stores in Southern Minnesota and Slumberland, a huge chain of furniture stores was, was coming in. They wanted to buy, buy my dad out. And my brothers and I, we were all in college at the time. And he said, Hey boys, I'm ready to, you know, I, I don't, I'm, I'm done fighting the good fight. If you want these furniture stores, you can have them and you can live a very good life. You can have a home on a lake and you, know, you can make a lot of money. And none of us chose to, to take them. And I said, Dad, you didn't raise furniture men. You raised entrepreneurs. If I moved back to my hometown, took over the stores, it would be the, you know, it'd be the quintessential, oh, there, there's Ross, you know, born on third, thought he hit a triple. You know, no one would respect me. I didn't earn the money. Now, that's not to discount anyone in a family business. It just wasn't for me. I had to do it on my own. And my brothers have done the same. So they actually work together in, a, in, in, in their technology business. And uh, they actually help furniture stores now go online. And they've actually stayed in the business, but through a totally separate channel, helping all these brick and mortars embrace technology. So we all support each other, but it, it's interesting it's, that you said that because it, it, it is a total entrepreneurial gamble, and I've never had a, a backup plan. You know, I've, I've always – that's the thing in our world is, you know, we eat what we kill. And I would say, you know, the, the best thing I did recently, actually, now that I think about what you said, was I got a gigantic disability policy, which um, I, <laughs> it was interesting. I spoke at the Million Dollar Roundtable this year, which is for like 10,000 life insurance salesmen, and I learned about disability insurance. And, you know, in our world – if we get hit by a bus, we don't have a business. Yep. You know, it's not like the books would support our families. So a disability policy was like a huge eye opener for me saying, well, at least, you know, because I don't, that's the big thing in the speaker world is so many speakers say, I want to get off the road. I want to have a recurring revenue model. I want to click credit cards while I'm sleeping. And I don't, I want to be on stage. <laughs> I, that's what I like to do. But if we're sick, if we're you know, if we don't, if we, if there's a blizzard, we don't show up for a flight, we don't get paid. So that was sort of an eye-opening thing for me too, was just to say, you know what? Um, I don't have a business, so this is, this is what I got to do. I do think you're right that, uh, 
your dad, I love yeah. that you're saying that you didn't raise furniture men, you, you raised entrepreneurs. And that I think is very cool. My father worked for an insurance company for his whole career and, you know, was 40 years retired with a gold watch. And I have three older brothers and three of the four of us are solopreneurs. One is a real estate appraiser and has an extravagantly successful uh, residential real estate appraisal firm in the Bay Area. And my other brother is a saxophone repairman. Wow. Which always gets people to kind of say like, hmm, that, what's a saxophone repairman? But he found something he loved. He, he loved playing the saxophone. He loved the in intricacies of the horn. And, you know, he created a business helping other people make their instruments sound better. And it's just amazing to me. That was sort of my example, my older brothers, that if you want to do something and you like something, you can just go carve your own path. And, you know, my other brother is uh, works for a large insurance, a large uh, accounting firm. But three of the four of us are solopreneurs, which I find very interesting because our dad wasn't an entrepreneur. Well, I think it's cool. And I think your model is really cool. And, and I'll toot your horn for a second because I know you're very modest. But in our world, you're one of the most respected guys in our world, super successful. And as the conference catalyst, you know, what you have done by creating this niche where you basically you come in and you become like the MC, the keynoter, wh whatever they need you to do. You, you're just, you're like this Uber Julie McCoy from the love boat where you just kind of handle everything and make, you know, this synergy throughout conferences and you give meeting planners and, and, uh, VPs of sales, just this sort of calm when you come in and do what you do. It's just, it's really cool. It's, it's neat that you come in and do this tremendous deep dive, helping organizations have more amazing meetings. And, you know, I just think it's so neat that, that, um, you've created this niche that is so successful for you. And it's always a treat for me when I'm at a conference, knowing that you're going to be there and, and that, uh, you're going to be able to sit in my session and, and I'll get to see you do what you do. And I'm just super happy for your success. And you've created this really awesome niche. So it's very, very inspirational to see other people kicking butt, especially when they're my friends. So congrats on, on all of your success, Tom. Well, thanks. I really, I do appreciate that. And I wrote that down the Julie McCoy of conferences. I'll have to stew on that. If I like that analogy or not, <laughs> put the little TM up there quickly. So no one steals it that, right that's exactly right i i'm i'm your i'm your i'm your cruise director for your conference that's so right. so ross i know that you have a really big heart and, and with your success comes that that feeling of giving back what how do you give back to the greater good because i always think the best entrepreneurs don't just like count the money chips over in the corner but they find ways to serve serve our society what is it that you do well, I do a lot. Thank you for asking. Um, philanthropy, as I say, it's not only good purpose, it's good business. So I'm involved in a lot of charities. I'm probably in, you know, a dozen charity events every year. I use my books as currency. Whenever I play in a dozen charity celebrity golf tournaments a year, and I'll always donate, you know, hundreds of books. So everyone gets one for their gift bag, creating win-win situations. Um, the charity that's nearest and dearest to me is the Herb Brooks Foundation, of which I am the president of this 501c3 charitable organization and co-founder. And it's an amazing organization. Um, Herb Brooks was my hero. I met him as a 10-year-old at his hockey camp after the 1980 Olympic Miracle on Ice hockey team won the gold medal. I went to his hockey camp and I won the most improved award, which as you know, goes to the guy who sucks the most. <laughs> and um, we became friends and he later asked me to write his biography. I was a year into his biography and was actually golfing with Herb the morning of August 11, 2003, the morning Herb was killed in the car 
car accident. So I wrote a couple books about Herb, and I give proceeds from my my books and my speeches to the Herb Brooks Foundation to grow hockey. We have a training center here in Minneapolis where the women's Olympic team trains. We we give inner city kids hockey equipment, ice time. We get kids f- from low income areas, kids whose parents are in the military, kids with special needs. We want them playing hockey, and uh, something I'm very passionate about. So that's my my thing I'm most near and dear to. But I'm definitely involved with a lot of different charitable organizations and uh, whether that's speaking at their events or donating, um, I get hit up constantly to, to donate stuff. And I always do because that's just what we do. So, um, that's just kind of my thing. I don't really advertise it a, a ton, but it's just something I'm very passionate about. No. Well, and like I said, I, I know you and I know you have a big heart and I know you do want to make the world a better place. So thank you for all that you do. Yeah, I think the key for anyone is you need to give strategically. Um, don't just give willy-nilly. Give something that you're very passionate about and you have skin in the game. And I think that at that point, it's good. You know, the other way I, I will say, too, I'll add, is that I, I write a lot of celebrity biographies. Um, and we always create a charitable foundation. Um, the, the most recent one, I wrote Mark Trestman's biography. He's a head coach of the Chicago Bears right now and not doing real well right now, sadly. But um, we created the Mark and Cindy Trestman Foundation for all the proceeds from his books and from his speeches goes to that cause. So he's never selling a book. He's always selling a cause. And the cause for Mark is to, you know, to cure Alzheimer's disease. His mother-in-law died of Alzheimer's. It's very personal to him. So every book I create, we're always creating a charitable organization, a foundation, a platform. And I really talk a lot about that, even in my speeches, about how philanthropy is not only good purpose, it's good business, and how you need to align yourself strategically with causes that you really believe in. Because at the end of the day, People like to do business with givers, not takers. And I think that's a huge thing if you're an entrepreneur. Give unconditionally and by the laws of karma, the people that want to do business with you, they will give back and you will you will be aligned. Um, so it's a very it's a very intricate thing. It's a simple thing, but I think people need to think at it, think about it a little more strategically. Well, and as one of the the huge legends of the speaking business, Zig Ziglar, who passed away himself a few years ago, you know, Zig Ziglar's famous saying was, you can have anything that you want in this world if you help others get what they want in this world and so the people who really go out of their way to help others and give back and serve charities and and serve philanthropy and the greater good you know they always see it come back it always comes back in spades and and so i don't understand why people tell me i'm too busy to to be involved it's like no you're you're too busy not to be involved exactly yeah amen brother that you totally hit it on the head. Yep. So Ross, if somebody listened to today's show and they were like, I like this Ross Bernstein guy, I got to find out more about him and his books and his speaking and, and his champions code life's lessons for accountability from the sports world to the business world. How do they find you? You know, I have a website, rossbernstein.com. Well, that's simple. All right. Well, thank- no, 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 no Twitter handles, no Facebook pages. Just that's where I want them to go. All right. It's <laughs> right. pretty simple. Go to rossbernstein.com. <laughs> Boom. Done. Simple. Hey, thank- after you go to tomsinger.com, of course, of then course. you could come to rossbernstein.com. That's right. That's right. So thank you very, very much for being a guest on, on our young little show here. We're, I'm having a lot of fun. We're learning. We found our voice. I think we've, we've got these chats going. This one went a little long because you had so much to share. So uh, hopefully everybody stuck with us till the end. But thank you very much for listening. If you're a new listener to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do, 
come back. We have two shows a week. Download them, and if you like them, run over to iTunes, leave a review, and thank you very much. We'll, we'll hear you the next time we are here with another show. In the meantime, go out and have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at, at @TomSinger. This podcast was produced in part by Podfly.net. Podfly, passion for great-sounding podcasts. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.